Good evening. This is another episode of Material After Dark. This is episode number 315, recorded. Usually we don't say when this is recorded, but I want to tell you anyway, we recorded this on July 7th. My name is Florence Ion. I'm joined here by Andy. And Hello. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to explain that because in case people hear explosions from outside of either of our doors and then hear the what sounds eerily like one of us opening a window and saying, eh, damn it, 4th of July was three damn days ago. Stop letting these freaking fireworks in your damn driveway. Where'd you get those damn things? I got kids here. <sighs> I... I'm not going to go on this tangent because it's going to go in a very dark place. And we've already got, we're already going to some dark places on today's podcast. So enjoy everyone. That's what you're in for. So I want to, I want to keep us, I want to keep us at a good, fair level. So I am going to tell you, Andy, about my fork. Ooh. Remember I teased it last week that I was doing the Huawei MatePad right. Pro review. Huawei the- MatePad Pro 12.6 that was for anybody. The, and that's the company that got hit by that like executive order saying that Google is not allowed to give them any technology, including Android. Yeah. Now, if you're interested in the hardware and you're listening to this, I would suggest you either watch yesterday's All About Android or you go back to last week. I wrote the review for gizmodo.com. What I want to tell you, Andy, is... What ended up being my conclusion after the whole, like, by the way, today I promised my editor I wouldn't write another 2,000 word diatribe. Guess what? <laughs> Guess how many words I wrote? 1,700. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So I wrote 2,000, I, I wrote like over 2,000 words, right, on this Huawei MatePad. That's why I remembered it so vividly. Um, but at the end, the conclusion was like, and I didn't really go into it because I, I kind of want to explore it maybe in a separate piece a little more. And there's just a lot of stuff that's been happening, but it's just, oh my God, I am so reliant on my Google account for everything. <laughs> um, the big thing that people don't talk about when we talk about not having Google Play services or in a case like with Huawei, because it's just a ban, this a Chinese company can't do business with an American company. That's essentially absolutely, you know, you just put up a huge, big stone wall. Um, they're, not like, even, they're like the Capulets and the Montagues, only with nuclear <sighs> missiles and a space program. Yeah, but at least like, at least there was some romance in that. There's no romance in this. Uh, instead, there is... The Google OAuth is what I'm really like trying to pinpoint here. Uh, if you use no. that as your key to the internet, you are not going to have access to a lot of stuff on a device like the Huawei MatePad Pro, which runs Harmony OS, which is an Android fork. Um, it does run like APKs, but because this whole new app bundles thing, I couldn't install very many. <laughs> Um, and the apps that do unbundle the bundles for you and like do all that magic of installing it didn't work with Harmony OS. So I just kept getting crashes. But it was the OAuth thing that really kind of opened my eyes. Like, because I use I use Google as the key for Dropbox. Thankfully, I had a quote unquote spare key, which is the original <laughs> username I came up with before I ever linked it to my Google account. And that's how I got into that account on the Huawei MatePad. Um, but I couldn't get into, I couldn't publish our podcast last week. I was like, oh, I'll do it with the tablet. This will be a good experiment to see like what kind of work I can do with it. Cause I can publish the podcast on Chrome OS. Absolutely. No problem. <laughs> Without that OAuth, I wasn't <laughs> able to get into anything because our dear fearless leaders here at Relay FM have very strong security. <laughs> um, and that strong security does not vibe with Harmony <laughs> OS. <laughs> I wasn't able to get our, into our, sec- our security has no chill. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it was a very interesting experience. And then at the end of it, my editor slacks me and she's like, really sounds like there's something here about this just sort of the way. Yeah. Just basically the fact that Google is your key to the Internet. Yeah, it's it's all about dependency, isn't it? No matter what you choose, 
it's like it's and part of it has to be deliberate on the part of Google or Apple that on the one hand, yes, it's seductive that if you just sign in once to Google, sign in just once to Apple, everything will work just mm-hmm. properly and all these built in apps will work great and they'll support each other and they'll work with each other. But then, oh, boy, what a fool you are if you try <laughs> to escape even for one second. So many things I could not log into. And not only that, but also I realized what an ecosystem Gmail is, because without just access to that, that one app on the web, I am just locked out of so much work. Mm. Also, you know, because my work uses G Suite. So it's just very, it's a lot of food for that there, folks. <laughs> yeah, especially, you know, that I didn't really think of that before, because there, there was so much that Google's been doing to um, integrate their products better and to make it more collaborative with everything that they've learned and all the new uh, over the past year and everything that people are now loading in on their expectations of collaborative apps and collaborative suites that now your personal Gmail, if, if your company is now standardizing on everything across uh, Google to make sure that no matter where you are, you can still log in and get your work done and be part of a team, be part of groups. It really does mean that if you don't, anybody who might have had a philosophical argument saying, nope, I don't want to have a Google account. I'm not going to, I have one for convenience, but I'm not going to log in because I don't want them to track me. Okay, well, now a condition of employment is now that you allow Google to track you, (laughs) so to speak. (sighs) It's Hmm. food for thought. Like I said, there's a lot more of a rabbit hole to go down that one. Well, I I had I had my own forked experience. Do tell. uh, I'm going to I'm going to show you and maybe I'll take I'll take a picture of this and you show it in the show notes because so that way you can see visually, dear listeners, what uh, the, the, what caused the noises that flow is now emanating. I'm going to hold up a uh, Samsung Galaxy S6. Oh, my God. Yeah. You OK, see, got, so the, the back came off. Yeah, it's a, okay, a very, this, very swollen battery. Right. So that's bad. That's, uh, bad. that's really bad. I just wanted to say that this back peeling off thing has happened recently to Jason, both Jason Howell and Leo Laporte's pixels. Mm. They they both have pixel four, I think XLs and like the back just came undone in this in very hot, like a very hot car. So that's what I thought it was at first, but no, it was the battery exploding out of the back. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely the batteries. I had last week was the landmark epic uh, 14th anniversary of the rollout of the iPhone. And of course you can't, let uh, a big, big anniversary like the 14th anniversary go by without talking about it on your Apple theme podcast. Well, it's much less superstitious than the 13th anniversary. True, unless you got the crap beaten out of you by a 14 year old when you were nine. Fair. You might not. It's still, it's still, it, it, has, it has some bad history. But mm-hmm. so I, I went to the, I, I have a big hardware library and I don't like to get, I can't, I don't feel like I can get rid of phones because some of them were like Ver, this one Verizon sent to me and they didn't want it back. And so I can't sell it. I can't really use it, but it's too nice a thing to just chuck, chuck away. And oh my God. Not that you should, you should recycle it. So I, so I have these drawers, like library card catalog drawers that are in this case, two or three of them filled with like phones. And so I went, Oh great. During the commercial break, I went to grab, uh, to go find my, my, my original iPhone. And so, okay. And I noticed like two or three of these really, really old phones, including, uh, an iPhone four had like bulging <gasps> batteries. And so I should, yeah. So I had, I have to say that I, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel as though I'm an idiot, but I feel like an idiot for not considering that perhaps as these phones with their lithium batteries age, you should be making sure that you check on these like library oh my God. Uh, devices to make sure You're, that they're it's not. Fre- it's freaking me out because yeah, I, exactly. I have two tubs full of, yeah, I'm saying this publicly. I have two tubs full of phones that yeah. have gone with me from house to house because of how long I've been doing this beat and how long I've been covering these things. And because I've been working from home for so long, a lot of this stuff just got collected around here. And when you wrote ticking time bombs in the notes, I thought you just meant like, oh, they're not going to have software updates anymore. No, <laughs> you meant literal ticking time bombs. Yeah. I mean, not not so obviously not so much that I, as soon as I saw them, I didn't just immediately chuck them into the harbor. However, there there definitely been, I, I, I also looked through all my other drawers to make sure there were no others that like were all, you know, swollen. So what, and, did that, what caused that? Did you guys, I mean, is, 
because you live in humidity? Apparently, uh, I've, I've been doing some reading about it because I'm going to be talking about this probably on NPR yes, uh, on Friday, uh, that uh, over time, particles can get between the 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 the, the mechanical interfaces of the, the mechanical layers of, the, of a lithium-ion battery, and that's what causes disruptions between individual layers. Uh, and so not so much as to immediately inter- erupt into flame, but definitely to destabilize the battery. So this is definitely something where I'm, I, my first thought was, okay, well, I'm going to go outside and carefully try to like remove the battery so I can salvage the screen and stuff if I want to build stuff out of it. But it's, that's probably there's a sixty percent chance I will just say no. I think I will just not even bother with that and take it right down to Staples and <laughs> which is the, which is the closest electronics like recycling place. Oh, but, okay. So yeah, definitely. I mean, a, a lot. Oftentimes, you will find that. You, you will think that your laptop, gosh, my, the screen of my laptop uh, must have warped a little bit because it's not, it's closing just fine, but I can see like a gap at one corner. And it's not until like you take it into Apple or whatever to have something else checked out. They realize that, oh, well, uh, obviously the battery is bulging and that's what's causing the frame to distort a little bit like that. So we replaced the battery for you. You, you remember that time, t- uh, ten, uh, t- uh, eight minutes after you dropped this off that we evacuated the entire store? Yeah, that was us uh, taking out your battery. No oh problem. It's under warranty. It's under warranty. So yeah, definitely. If you if you are the sort of person who keeps old electronics, it was a, for the first time since I've been using like lithium ion devices. I've had like now it is forefront in my mind that part of like the regular maintenance of these devices I don't use anymore is make sure you don't just like put in a box and put that box into deep storage where you can't get it. Make sure that it's someplace where periodically or even just. As in now, over the course of like daily or weekly business, you have an opportunity to look and see, oh, that's not did it did did LG ever make a banana shaped phone? I don't think they did. Oh, that's right. It's because it's all bent and twisted by this demon hell beast that's battering at the outsides of its little lithium prison cell to get out. Oh, my God. Okay, I've just been reacting this entire time and freaking (laughs) out. But like, I can't go do anything about it right now. So I'm just going to sit here and pray. I'm going (laughs) to silently pray while I uh, while I kind of lead us into what our show is going to be about today, Mm. tonight, what our show is going to be about tonight. Yes. Listen, it's Mona's bedtime when we're recording. So I'm trying to like keep my sultry (laughs) low tone on. So because otherwise I'll get loud and uh, anyway tonight we're going to talk um we're actually i guess it's going to be a somber episode (laughs) listen there's a lot of stuff going on with google right now there's a lot of stuff going on with the law (laughs) and there's a lot of stuff going on pretty upset with google then a lot of them have the ability to like do things that will inconvenience google to a great extent Mm-hmm. Uh, Google also released their annual diversity report, which, as you can imagine, is going to make <laughs> us all go, hmm, thinking face. <laughs> I love that emoji, by the way, because it really is just like, are you sure about that? Because that's I feel what it really does evoke. Um, and then we're yeah, we're just going to talk about that. But before <laughs> before we get into our show this evening. Um, I do want to let everybody know that next week, Andy and I are going to be doing a very special episode of All About Android hey. on the Twit Network, <laughs> which is not here on the Relay FM network. It's directly across the street over there, <laughs> yeah, around the corner. And in there is the Twit building. That's where we will be doing uh, the show. It's You're on in Tuesday night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. We're, we're, um, if you, the the slow camera pan is on the little cottage that looks like from Mister Rogers' neighborhood, and ugh. that's where us folks here at Relay FM are. And then there's the big signature skyline building, the This Week in Tech Plex. Mm-hmm. Precisely. So we're going to be there in the big leaks, uh, we, we doing what a is essentially fort, and we have infiltrated. It, Exactly. Well, we're essentially doing free promotion for this show. <laughs> so we'd really appreciate it if you joined us over there um, on the Twit Network. The thing about this show is it is streamed live. It starts at five around 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, 8 p.m. Eastern time in the U.S. time zones. So if you are available, you can come join us. 
Um, and then I can give you more details if you're interested <laughs> in like chatting or whatnot mm. as we get closer to that date. So oh my God, follow I along. Just, I just realized something. This is going to be uh, not only not only if you've been a listener of material for a long time. So not only is this a, a chance for to hear essentially like another episode I, we were trying we'd like to see what we're, we're we'd like to see what we can get away with <laughs> without, without 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 there being like a rule that they will refer to as the andean flow rule about i really guests. regret not giving jason the smiling <laughs> devil face when he yeah. asked me he's like well what what if we got andy on because so him and ron are going to be out on vacation mm. so andy's going to so, help fill in for me so Since it is, Andy it knows is the material. Be, yeah. So, and we're not, and obviously we're not going to cannibalize, like we're not going to do like Wednesday show on Tuesday. It's mm-hmm. an opportunity, shall we say, but, uh, but it's an also opportunity for the listeners. Cause I just realized that like, if you've ever wanted to actually watch an episode of material, like actually see us talking to each other oh, that's and how true. we react, because this is also, it's, it's podcasts. It's also on YouTube. It's everywhere. So you will be. <laughs> like i was i was just about oh God, uh, as i was true. getting ready for tonight's show it's again it's hot it's humid uh to make sure you guys get great audio the the, the fans and the in the ac the air conditioning inside this office are down so i was gonna i was gonna apologize to flow like congratulations once again you get to see me like all hot and sweaty and after a day of being inside my office not knowing that i'm not gonna have to see anybody so i haven't really shaved or put on anything like oh so next week it's going to be everybody's problem not just flow's problem okay <laughs> That works. <laughs> it's going to be interesting for sure. So you should come join us um, if you please can. And then we're going to have more details for you about our bonus episode coming up this month. We'll have more details for you on the next show next week. So just stay tuned for that. Um, I think, Andy, this is a good time to finally take a break. I sure need one. This episode of Material is brought to you by Instabug. Building mobile apps presents some challenges. Bugs, crashes, and performance issues can be a nightmare for developers. But what if you could not only detect all these issues, but understand the quality of your app from your user's point of view? Instabug's lightweight SDK grabs all the insights you need to build quality apps through comprehensive bug and crash reports, performance monitoring, and real-time user feedback, all in one SDK. With Instabug, you can continuously monitor and measure the performance of your app as perceived by your users. Engage with your users by letting them report issues and questions right from inside your app. Get all the information you need about bugs, crashes, and other issues, and fix those issues in record time, all with a focus on privacy and security. And you don't worry about the hassle of switching to a new tool. It only takes a minute to integrate Instabug into your app, and it fits right within your workflow. With support for Jira, Slack, Trello, GitHub, Zendesk, or whatever you use to handle issues. Join over 25,000 top mobile developers around the world who use Instabug to ship high-quality apps. Go to try.instabug.com slash material. That's try.instabug.com slash material. Our thanks to Instabug for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So right before we got together to to record the show, um, a very big news <laughs> item dropped on us. It actually dropped just as I was clocking out from my from my day job, 36 states, including Washington, D.C., sue Google, which, by the way, D.C. is not a state, just FYI, it's a territory. Uh, they are suing Google for alleged antitrust violations in its Android app store. Uh, now, this story has actually kind of been unfolding throughout the day, just based on the headlines that I saw coming in. And I feel like this was kind of the the catalyst or so to speak, um, because it's the one that's going to, I think, get a lot of airtime. So 36 <laughs> states plus the District of Columbia are suing Google in California federal court. So it's a nationwide affair. Uh, <laughs> they are suing under state and federal antitrust and consumer protection statutes. They claim that Google's Play Store policies harm both consumers and developers alike. The suit alleges that Google's engages Excuse me. I'm reading that so fast. 
The suit alleges that Google engages in anti-competitive behavior in how it operates the Google Play App Store by requiring developers to use Google's payment processing system for the purchase of apps. I really need to mute these things before I do these shows. At the same time, this is my subtle way of showing you. (laughs) They're always listening. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Anyway. That's why I leave it on, by the way, because in those perfect moments happen where I'm like reading. Anyway, this is a really big deal. Uh, The suit raises issues that we have discussed in the past on this podcast, which is that Google has been using its power in the Android community to prevent any other Android app store from gaining any real prominence. We see that in the example of uh, Samsung Galaxy App Store, by the way, which was brought up uh, in this exact deposition. Is deposition the right word? I got to be honest with you. Second honesty <laughs> that I'm having here. I'm learning all these new uh, legal legalese thanks to the Britney situation happening right now. So <laughs> I really need to thank the celebrity goss community for the education that I'm getting in the back end. Um, anyway, the suit says that 90% of all Android apps are purchased and installed through the Play Store. Right. That's a safe place to get them. No other store has acquired more than 5% of the app market. How could it? There's a app store. Like yeah, I get it. You're not really. Also, there other app stores aren't really encouraged to. What what do they want to achieve that they couldn't achieve by going through the Play Store, except to be able to inst- like install uh, extra content without paying quite so big of a commission? But we'll get to that, of course. Mm-hmm. Now Google's been doing this by forcing, they allege, forcing Android phone makers to use the Play Store as their device's exclusive source for apps by making it a requirement of getting access to all of the Google apps and services that make Android phones useful. This is something we saw come up in the EU case, EU antitrust case against Google. Uh, So this is like that key right there is the requirement to run Play services and the Play Store. That's, I think, going to be the big thing that uh, Google gets. Oh, I'm trying to think of a metaphor, but that's the thing they're going to go after. Um, as for complaints about the Google Store billing, which uh, we brought up just a second ago, the suit calls attention to the fact that Google has recently tightened its restrictions on in-app billing for developers. This is a move akin to what Apple's been doing. Uh, Google expanded this requirement to subscription video and music apps to either pay commissions to Google or remove those in-app subscriptions. Again, yeah. very Apple-y move, just like Apple, everybody knows, takes 30% from the App Store, but the trade-off there is, I guess. Yeah, and that's that's an official policy change that they announced that goes into effect in September. As as for the previous thing, uh, that they used to be – Google had rules – about uh, about how you could handle in-app billing, but they didn't really they didn't really enforce them. They were just like on the books. It was like a like, kind of like a jaywalking clause where they could use it if they needed to use it. But they got better things right. to do than to trap everybody who was doing in-app in-app purchases and making making it easy to buy books through the Kindle Store app and that sort of thing. But the government has noticed that. Well, if you were going to play that card at Google, we have noticed that you have decided to be less friendly as time goes by. Again, I can't help but think about app bundles throughout all this. Um, Okay, but moving on, the suit uses the Samsung App Store as an example. Um, As I mentioned earlier, it describes Google's attempts to coerce Samsung into agreements that would have turned Samsung's App Store into a de facto front end to the Play Store. I can see that. They were also impressed by the fact that even Amazon hasn't had any success launching an App Store outside of its own Fire tablets. (laughs) Yeah. I just have to say with the Amazon App Store, the apps that are there are not good. There's not a lot of apps there. So, yeah, but this is something that they're going to have to unpack during this suit that there, there really is a chicken in the egg problem here where are there is there a lack of really good apps in the Amazon App Store because Simply yeah. because it's a very, very small part of the market. It makes sense to have your media streaming app in the uh, on Amazon Fire tablets, but that's not exactly an important target for almost anything else. Or 
are they being scared off by, look, there are so many people paying attention and buying apps through the Amazon App Store. It's not worth our time as developers. Whereas if everybody just simply, if there were a checkbox inside uh, the Amazon uh, Amazon dev environment that simply said, oh, and by the way, uh, when you're done building this app, build a version for the Google Play Store, build a version for the Samsung Galaxy Store, build a version for the Amazon, Play, Amazon Fire Store, and upload them to all the necessary uh, app stores at the same time. Yeah, but that's why I brought up app bundles like a second ago, because it's yeah. making me think about how things will get a little tightened down to the public. Google is doing a lot of messaging around those bundles as this is going to cut down on the app size. This is going to help install only the important stuff that you need. But I can't help but see it as this like this way of stiffening the Play Store a bit, but not necessarily in like a, a nefarious way. Like. Right. This isn't, I don't, I don't know if this is, I mean, everything is linked to money when it's a giant corporation, right? <laughs> yep. At the end of the day. So you can always say that's the, that's the main motivator. Um, I, I was, and, I'm sorry, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead, Andy. I, I was, I, I wasn't surprised that, that Google's being attacked on, on antitrust grounds uh, because we for the past year we've had that warning bell signing that uh, state attorneys general are teaming up against Facebook and teaming up against Microsoft and Google. So instead of having to file lots of little poorly funded suits, they're sort of getting all together to do this. Facebook funded this. Yeah. Also, Facebook, th- by the way, funded the research on the on the app store earnings and everything that was going on. Just FYI, because yeah. they were like, we need to get the onus off of us for a little bit, please. I think I think Epic was also part of this. They're uh, they're mm. all they all have very good reasons to try to stop find a premise this is by so stop messy. paying thirty percent. You know what? Next time somebody tells me that my television is garbage, I'm just going to tell them this is the same. This is the same trite situation happening here. It's just between people with money. To pay lawyers to do all this, I was I was I was about to say if uh, if like Facebook was like the second wife of a mid tier pro basketball player, it wouldn't even be a wife. It would just be Mark Zuckerberg would be the only one among the women because after the stun he pulled this Fourth of July with his (laughs) whatever he was writing situation. That is a man the, right. who wants to be in front of the camera, okay? Right, riding a hover, riding a a hover surfboard <laughs> while hold while wait while holding a, an American flag in Hawaii. I'm just saying. Okay, that's interesting. But uh, so I wasn't terribly surprised that uh, that Google's being sued. I was I'm surprised that uh, they're being hit with this particular allegation when Apple seems to be the more I guess you could say the more classic target of this, because with Google, at least they can say, hey, we don't require users to uh, we don't require users to uh, to use our app store. You, you can actually sure. just sideload packages. Developers, if they want to distribute on their own, they can certainly do that. True. Uh, we do, we also support other app stores. They also have the ability because whereas Apple has really stuck their neck out on this issue saying that we are standing firm, protecting our users by preventing outside apps to be installed, compromising their security and safety. We're willing to die upon this hill because... In Orange County. It's a gated community in Orange County. It's literally the safest thing. (laughs) Right. Whereas Android has... Actually, I take that back, by the way. It's... That's... Ugh. There's so much wrong with this country. Anyway, sorry. Whereas, keep going, whereas, Andy. Sorry. Whereas, whereas Google, like they could simply, I, I mean, if if I were inside Google right now, I'd be thinking, okay, let's make up plans on how can we negotiate this away and say, okay, if your difficulty is that we're obstructing third-party app stores, we are now going to make it easy for third-party app stores to exist. And we're going to streamline side-loading of apps. Uh, and the only thing that they would have, it would seem as though they would have a hard time dealing with is uh, using uh, Google's payment services as the default or as the only payment service that's available. Uh, but whereas Apple, they have absolutely no alternative. If they were hit with these similar sorts of uh, sorts of things and they could be hit far harder, they would have no alternative but to dig in and say, nope, we can't do this. We are not going to do this. We, You either win this suit against us and force us to do something we don't want to do, or we claim the victory that we got to run the app store exactly the way we want to run it. I'm just really wondering what the consumer effect is here. And by the way, I just want to say the payment thing 
to me feels extremely odd, an odd straw to grasp at because I mean, I use Venmo, <laughs> my Android device to pay, you know, I use Zelle through my bank. Like I'm Google pay is not the only thing that I use. Um, I just don't use Samsung pay because I don't care to put that information with Samsung as a brand. Yeah. I guess in that sense, I trust Google more than Samsung in that sense. Yeah. Um, and what uh, I guess, I, I guess yeah. the argument is that like if, um, uh, if uh, I, as an app developer, had my choice of payment processors, I could maybe pay play Google against Venmo saying, hey, look, I've got this really popular app. It does about $130,000 in in-app transactions every single month. Google wants to, wants to take X mm. percent just for the transaction fee. I'm not talking about the 30% for the store fee. I'm talking about what it costs to actually uh, process and do the security and do the transaction. Like, can you give me a better deal on this? Uh, whereas right now they they just simply can't do anything about it, and it's 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 a very very weird transitional time where this is not an administration and it's not a Congress really that is hesitant about putting the hurt on a really really large multi trillion dollar tech company. This is every single thing, every single area in which uh, in which these huge companies have been able to do whatever they want because there weren't any regulations necessarily telling them that they couldn't, or if they thought that, Hey, we've gotten away with this for so long. If they were going to do antitrust against us, they would have done it a long time ago. And we feel as though we can get out of it right now. It's, it's a very, very weird, weird little time. It's like, it's, it's probably look what a third of your gross domestic product as a company is going to be spent on lawsuits, just, just on stamps alone. I'm sure. Do you, now, this is kind of inflammatory and hyperbolic, so I just want to say that I'm aware of what I'm about to say as a journalist, um, but I'm going to say it anyway, because this is a podcast, so I can kind of, you know, it's We're okay. a writer at the gates of dawn, and we take no prisoners. Mm. We are unafraid of speaking to a proud. Tribu- but also, I want, to, I want to toss this idea to Andy and, and see what his reaction is live, which is, <laughs> do you think, Andy, that this is just... Congress's way of getting back at Google in some way, just like finding finding a way to get them for something, finding a way to regulate them in some manner. And in this way, at least they can regulate how they make some of their money. And for a government, I guess that looks like a win to the people. It, oh, look at them. They're regulating Google. big tech. Oh, they're doing all this great. Oh, this congressman like... Sorry, I said congressman, but let's <laughs> let's be honest about we we'll talk about okay, diversity true, exactly. numbers soon. Um, you know, this congressman is, you know, he ran on this platform and helped like beat out Google and that's going to be used as a, as a selling point. Meanwhile, nobody's really helped from any of this because for me it just feels like the bottom line for this isn't necessarily a consumer thing. This is not a Microsoft Internet Explorer situation, I don't feel. Yeah, I th- I think you're mostly right there. I'm making a face because I'm like nope. not completely yeah. sold this on is, my opinion, but this this is the like <laughs> the the biggest antitrust case against tech, of course, was against uh, Microsoft in 2000 2001, mm-hmm. in which they were forced to unbundle Microsoft Internet Explorer from Windows on the basis that look if if the most if, if you guys got 80 percent of every of all the desktops in the world and now you're shipping a pre-installed web browser that people don't understand to begin with they don't know where to get it they don't know how to install it they don't know how to configure it and it just simply your web browser is the one that you get when your computer when your computer is fresh out of the box perhaps that will stifle the development of not only other web browsers but the web itself and perhaps we should smack your hand and make sure you don't do that and yeah, and you're right. I think I do suspect that part of this is that, again, they in the 90s and the 2000s, the attitude was we're not going to we don't understand this technology. Technology runs, uh, iterates way faster than legislation. And we don't want to kill off the next like rail industry or the next satellite industry, uh, next TV industry, because we wanted to. And we want to inflict rules upon it that may or may not have been necessary in the first place. Uh, But I think that a lot of it really is a reaction to the fact that, yeah, they have been largely working without regulation. And where there are regulations, the government hasn't had much teeth. The uh, Facebook uh, had a consent agreement that they violated twice uh, with with the uh, with uh, with the FTC and. 
every single time. Yep, they they every single time the there is a a government government agency that tries to take action against a huge huge company. They know how it's going to play out. They have uh, they, these companies have again trillion dollar valuation, two trillion dollar valuation. They can afford to keep arguing this and negotiating and uh, and and uh, and uh, appealing and asking and delaying things. And the best that the FTC and the DOJ can hope for is to at some point get a negotiated settlement that allows the DOJ or the FTC to say, "Aha! See, we have authority over these companies. We bowed them to our will. We actually, we actually." You have to. This is a five hundred dollar check off of Mark Zuckerberg's personal account, mind you, as a fine for a, a, a violation of antitrust that reaped the, a, a violation of uh, user policy that uh, that made them late eleven billion dollars. And one of the thing, one of the five pieces of legislation that got introduced last week and is still being argued is about the FTC now having a lot more power to really put the hurt on Facebook and all these other mm. larger companies so that it will, in all likelihood, these things will probably still end in a settlement just to make sure, just to get these things ended quickly. But it means that, look, if you don't negotiate in good faith and in a sense of humility, we really, really can put the hurt on you. So if you mm. if you think that we're offering you a deal, if you don't take this deal, in five years, six years, seven years, that might take to finish things. You might wish that you had taken this deal. Who knows? Ah, woof. Well, let's take a break because we're going to get into some more stuff. So yes. we need a break. <laughs> Still bad news if you're a Google stockholder. <laughs> this episode of Material is brought to you by Discourse. Discourse was founded in 2013 by Jeff Atwood from Stack Overflow, Robin Ward, and Sam Safran. It's a powerful, flexible, open-source community platform where discussions are searchable so you can find all the relevant details for your project. The platform was designed with moderation in mind, helping you keep the discussion on track and high value while minimizing the impact of trolls and spam. And it integrates with Zapier, Patreon, Memberful, and more. Now, here's a personal experience uh, section. What do I love about internet communities and how do forums like Discourse help to build communities? Yeah, I, I, this is something that I'm so fascinated and pleased by as a, as, as a Generation Xer who you know, started using uh, internet and, and, uh, and communica- digital communications tools like in the in like the 80s, early 90s, the sort of power that we have to create our own communities and our own tools for flowing information and connection between those communities has never been higher. The We might have thought that like five or six or seven years ago, we had sort of a uh, a bellwether event that oh wow there are we can get accounts with this central big company that will allow us to participate uh, and give us a space in which we can uh, we can uh, have our team meetings and again form our communities so we can get this project together and have everybody working together as a as a as a tight unit and that was nice but you're kind of beholden to this other company are you uh, the great thing about uh, tools tools like discourse is that you can just get it yourself. It is yours. You know, it's something that you're, it's your space that you build and you control. And it, in that sense, it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm logging into Titanic book or whatever, and just go to this, uh, this, this, this uh, community group on this big Titanic uh, social media platform or this communications platform. It's no, no, we, we've built the space for ourselves. We're not just renting a conference room with Ramada in for the weekend to do a seminar. This is a space that we can, we can, we can put nails in the wall. We can hang our own posters. We can put up wallpaper. We can change the tile in the bathroom if we want to. That's the sense that you get uh, when you have, when you integrate this sort of, uh, the, these sort of services into whatever your jam is, whatever your, your, your space is. And so I, I, I can't imagine, uh, it's uh, the, the potential for 
once again, not just having grease to grease for the gears of productivity, but glue that actually connects people together. Uh, it's such a powerful concept, and I'm so glad that uh, people still like uh, community, uh, working together as teams and being in touch with each other and uh, supporting each other's work so much that tools like this are actually a very, very, very successful business. And now we'll go back to the prepared ad read. Discourse offers a 100% 14-day free trial. And after that, plans start at $100 per month. And the folks at Discourse are giving material listeners 50% off your first two months after you start your subscription. Just go to Discourse.org and use the coupon code RELAY2021 when signing up. That's Discourse.org. Code RELAY2021 when signing up for 50% off your first two months. And let's also mention their new offering, Discourse for Teams. It's perfect for smaller teams or businesses looking to use Discourse to collaborate because it's a private, focused Discourse instance with added features, including a new sidebar, automatic icebreakers, team updates, and more to help teams work together more effectively. There isn't currently an offer code for the team's offering, but plans start at $20 per month. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go to teams.discourse.com. Our thanks to Discourse for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Well, we continue with some more bummers. But hey, <laughs> this is an evening episode, so I really hope that you're on your second glass of scotch by now. Um, <laughs> Google's latest diversity report shows a jump in departures among women of color, which honestly should be a surprise to nobody who's been either listening to our podcast or following any of the headlines with what's been going on with Google internally. They've practically installed, the management has practically installed water slides for uh, people of color when women of color outside of, of uh, Google positions to make it fun and easy for them to leave, not just uh, imperative. Yeah. <sighs> it's a rough one. Let me tell you. Google released their eighth annual diversity report for 2021 last week. The 62-page PDF is available at diversity.google. Yes, you can just punch that into the URL bar and it'll take you to that page. Um, so you can check out that PDF yourself. So the report does show some gains in representation and inclusion during the hiring process, but it also shows that rates of employee attrition have increased over the past year in several important demographics. And we are of course talking about women of color, Asian men and women and Latin X men. So yeah, and, and, and not by a subtle amount either. Yeah. It's like, yeah, there's a, they, they explain in the report that they, they have an index. Uh, they, they calculate a score for employee rent retention across different demographics. 100 points is sort of the baseline. Hmm. Last year, the retention rate for black women was 110. This year, it is 146. That's not a small change. Okay, 100 is the baseline. Interesting. Oh, boy. Uh, Google has declared multiple targets that they'd like to reach by 2025, I'm assuming, to try and raise these numbers, and that they are making progress on many of them, which yeah. you will read a lot of blog posts about that. This is true. Uh, Google's Senior Di Director of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion says that there's no easy solution to tackle inequality. Quote, there is so much more work to do, unquote. I feel like I have been hearing that nonstop on yeah. the reality shows that have recently hired black women to come teach the white women about racism. <laughs> yeah. That's been happening in my Bravo verse. So it's very much on my mind right now. <laughs> um, it's frustrating to watch because you know that like, that's not that person's that should not be that person's like role in a, in a, you know, a show that is meant to just watch these women make fools of themselves. Right. I want everybody to make a fool of themselves, but uh, <laughs> some people are terrible. So, okay, I'm going on a tangent here. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good and important tangent. The, uh, you know, the, the only th I was trying to, uh, this report came out um, over the weekend, I think the 2nd of July, 
so like five days ago. Uh, and so I've right been, before a holiday, right before the holiday, of course. And I've been trying to like make sure that I understand what uh, what uh, what it means. Part of it was checking the reporting of uh, reporters who specialize in uh, company ethics and diversity and inclusion. And for the past two, three, four years, every at the headline of each one of these reports has been. There's they've still got big problems. It is there there have been gains, but no, not nearly as high as you would think that they would need if they were treating this as a priority. And the thing that's kind of a little bit off putting about this PDF is that it really is like a promotional brochure that an academic you mean paper, the two happy multicultural i'm gonna say multicultural because yeah. that's like the cringy word that marketing execs still use i bet women riding their bikes through google campus <laughs> yes um the multicultural friends hanging out in the conference room enjoying a high a high grain breakfast with fresh fruit on top and sharing a, a joke that only they understand because they're so supportive of each other yeah it's not it's i i, I would this is uh, assembled internally, so it's not as though they re- they allow uh, an outside firm to get access to the raw Nobody data. Nobody called us. Yeah. Nobody then- called <laughs> us to, to ask us how it would look. Actually, so. I, I, I let most of my calls like go right to voicemail because usually spam anyway. But hmm. your point is – so it's the data is there, but it takes some – you have to really look to make sure you're not – being influenced by the happy graphics. And it, it is also, I'll, I'll put it this way. It's definitely one of those reports where there's a bar chart and you're like, okay, the y-axis, does it start at zero or does it start at 80? And like, just make yeah. sure that the chart is like a real chart. It's not, it's not like reading an academic paper where there is usually some personality in there to make sure that's actually readable. But Really, they want to make sure you understand that if they're saying a conclusion, they are simply summarizing a table and some facts that they've already presented to you in proper sequence. So it's 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 worth reading because this is the face they want to put on to mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yes, their, correct, their correct. And once again, to be totally fair, they are making progress towards these goals, which they've stated previously and they've they've committed to timetables. But it does it's it's no it's no mystery. That if people are if if the people that you're trying to hire are also the the same people that are leaving your company disproportionately in droves, that logically rationally should affect your ability to attract more women of color to your company because they're nobody's nobody's a dummy. They realize that if if you can't keep people like you, that means that this is not a good place for people like you. I also, and look, I know somebody's going to roll their eyes at me for saying this, but do the numbers of how much money you've donated to diversity programs and charities and like, do those need to be in such giant bold fonts on both the PDF, you know, yeah. it, and, and the, the webpage, it kind of takes away from the message, especially when you consider the news that followed the diversity report, <laughs> yeah. um, the news that, Okay, so remember when we talked about Timnit Gebru and when she was fired, there was a lot of talk about Jeff Dean, who is still on staff at Google. He is still an AI chief, and he was kind of positioned as one of the people who was a a part of the reason of why things ended up the way they did. I'm just saying that to button it up. Um, I'm not trying to oversimplify it. But there was a tweet that Jeff Dean tweeted. Uh, he tweeted, um, okay, let me let me start from the top here. So he tweeted out a link. Hey, come work for Google. We're great, et cetera. Was, or uh, internships. Was it an internship? I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't. Uh, the, the tweet was such a good one, such a smart one. Uh, that he took it down after reaction to it hit. So I didn't uh, I didn't cut and paste it. So the no, tweet actually, is, it's on Insider. Okay, yeah, exactly. There, so I didn't. So it's here. Uh, the tweet is, I encourage students from historically marginalized groups who are interested in learning to conduct research in AI slash machine learning, CS or related areas to consider applying for our CSRMP mentorship program. We have one. We have hundreds of researchers at Google AI who are excited to work with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you're excited to you work little, with them. You little dumplings, you little scrumptions. <laughs> yeah. Come on, be part of our family. 
Right. So he tweeted that. And as you can imagine, the Internet did not take kindly to that, <laughs> which uh, eventually resulted in. Um, I don't want to. I, I guess it was kind of a dog pile. I don't want to. I feel like that word is such a connotation to it. But yeah, I just it's just that it wasn't um, what, what what was really remarkable about it is that it wasn't just like people who follow Google or people who just have knee jerk reactions to things. We're talking about people with really, really great current and past credentials in artificial intelligence and research that very quickly and very emphatic, not no diplomacy whatsoever. Uh, uh, Julian Cornbase, a, uh, who's a former team leader at Google's AI division, uh, DeepMind, uh, I'm quoting his tweet here. Mm-hmm. Come on, Jeff Dean, how daft do you think people are after Google AI fired Timnit Gebru and Margaret Mitchell? They're marginalized, not stupid. Adding insult to injury, don't try to fix your mess with public relations bull spit. He used a different word. And ethics washing. Have you seen your latest diversity report? Do you remember us asking for mentorship? Or is it that you know this doesn't do beep while continuing to destroy the number one thing we asked for, psychological safety? (sighs) (laughs) That's rough. Of course you're going to, I mean, you should delete your tweet if you're getting responses like that. That means that's not, (laughs) that's that's bad. Um, But it also shows that publicly because look twitter is a public forum which is why uh, anyway that's another thing for another day but that's that's why saying this in public that was the reaction that came through just from the the developers that were in the network of you know this one person um google's got a reputation now that it can't just ignore it it can't just go here's a pdf hey, we're hiring some new black students from the historical black colleges. We want to get them over here. That's not actually how you fix things. It doesn't fix the system. It doesn't change the systemic, you know, issues that continue to plague AI, that plagues the rest of the world. It's just a hamster wheel. Yeah, it's it's pretty significant that um, uh, Dr. Gebru was fired eight months ago, and this is still a flashpoint uh, for yeah, back in the AI community's uh, reputation, uh, uh, how the AI community uh, thinks of Google, and it's uh, the 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 real problem, of course, is the damage done to careers of people who uh, who've dis- who tried to uh, do the do research at Google. But in terms of how it affects Google, how is that going to attract the next generation of genius researchers? How big of an offer is Google going to have to make before? I think I think most people. The thing is, AI researchers—they're not really motivated by money. They're not motivated by, and you can tell your aunts and your uncles that, "Hey, you work for Google, and they'll know what you're talking about." It's do I have the ability to do what I to to achieve everything that I feel is that I'm capable of, and also be presented with opportunities that I'm not even capable of imagining right now because I'm not dreaming or thinking that big right now. And right now, according to popular uh, popular culture within that industry, the answer is emphatically no, unless you're a white dude. So it's definite that this is going to be a persistent sticking point until Google can absolutely 100% and convincingly replace the story of what happened last fall with the story of how much they learned from it and how much they improved and fixed the issues. Because it just keeps coming up. Uh, another story, and this is going to be a quick one. Uh, inside Google culture, there was uh, a designer and engineer by the name of Manu Cornet, uh, who was kind of, uh, he was, he was kind of like the editorial cartoonist unofficially inside Google. He used to post. I had no idea about until I sent you this article today, by the way. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. So he was known internally as, uh, well, a former manager of the company described to him as the company's, and I'm quoting here, moral bellwether, because mm. he used to share these cartoons 
uh, which criticized and satirized first Google culture when he started. He's been working there since 2007. So when he first started doing this, wow. he was entertaining people by making fun of people like Google, engineers at Google who are like, oh, well, I've, I'm now working on, you know, the, you know how the, the kerning between the two letters in OK and the OK button during this setup process? That was my baby. I coded that. So he's making fun of that kind of stuffed shirt mentality before realizing that, hey, I'm in a place where I'm punching down here. I need to, they're much, I need to punch up here at uh, institutional problems and executives who are making a bad scene here. Uh, and that's why, again, he was described as the moral bellwether. There's, and his, his cartoons actually had a lot of, uh, a lot of impact. The, mm -hmm. uh, one of them uh, actually appeared in the New York times. It was, uh, he was poking fun of uh, Google and Microsoft and Facebook and all these other major companies about how like their leadership and their structure is internally very, very dysfunctional. So as a joke, he made like sample org charts for all these companies showing what it's really like inside. And of course, Microsoft's was and anybody who's been covering Microsoft for any amount of time like recognize this? It's just like three, three or four completely isolated groups on the org chart, and each of these groups is like aiming a gun at the, at each of the others. And it's a little much. This was it's this a little was... much. Okay. It's it wasn't it wasn't terribly subtle, but again, he's a writer at the Gates of Dawn. He takes no prisoners. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not just singling out because I thought that it was funny. Uh, Microsoft CEO uh, wrote uh, wrote Satya a memoir. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he said right in the introduction that when he saw that cartoon, it actually persuaded him to change the company's culture. So this guy because, has cultural he has cultural links into yeah. the broader tech culture, well, not, yeah, not, not just at Google. Not only that, but he's not just <laughs> you see see that picture that guy with like a poop coming out of his head and smell lines that's you manager of infrastructure that's what Matamagachi the, the, does which yeah. goes to the bathroom <laughs> sorry yeah but but yeah but but just to, i mean if not only a ceo doesn't like to admit that your your company the company that you're the head of has fundamental problems much less to have a cartoonist point that out to you in a certain way and to not only be confronted by that truth, probably reminding of things he's been observing, but has not really had had, had him hit in the face like a uh, like a rotten like a rotten tomato. That's what really good satire and political cartooning can do. It can summarize a very complicated topic into a funny picture that at first you go, ha, 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 and then you're like, crap, he really he really gets it. So mm -hmm. uh, there's a so he quit after after all this time he uh, gave a long interview with uh, the information and he said that he'd been frustrated by a long series of Google's choices which he had deeply disagreed with and it's pretty much the greatest hits that you might expect uh, how Google was working with the Trump administration on military projects that uh, they were work they were developing uh, Project Dragonfly which was a version of Google Search that could comply with the Chinese government's super super restrictive censorship law before Google got shamed into telling Congress that no, we're, that's a dead project. Uh, and of course, the firings of Dr. Gebru and Dr. Mitchell. Um, there's a direct quote here. At some point, I have to draw the line in the sand somewhere, he said, of his decision to leave. So it's not as though, wow, they, they now Google has lost a key cartoonist. What are they going to do? But it's these kind of... Uh, people who are integrated into the culture of Google, particularly people who are internally... Uh, praised and loved as here is a, a voice of conscience. Here's, here's someone who says the things or draws the things that we're all thinking and worrying about. When even he says, I, I'm out, I'm done, I've had enough. That's not a great moment for the company. It really does up the stakes on you gotta you you can't just buy you can't just buy some more clip art of people getting together with their laptops on a lawn in the middle of a corporate campus. You really have to prove that you realize that you've got a cancer and it's spreading to other systems and it's going to bring down the company. Ah, we should take a break. <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> Let's take a quick little break. Indeed. Let me tell you about another show on Relay FM, Focused. If you're struggling to focus, you're not alone. With all the distractions we have, focus seems like a superpower. But hosts David Sparks and Mike Schmitz can show you how. Go to relay.fm slash focused or search for focused wherever you get your podcasts. 
Well, this isn't necessarily a, a cracked egg on Google's head. It's more <laughs> of a cracked egg on Microsoft's head. But I, you know, think it would be an interesting journey for us to all quickly go through and see what this sale is about on the Microsoft Surface Duo. So I saw this the other day, and now I'm going to go see if it's still available at Woot.com. Remember Woot.com? It's sold mm. out. All right. So the Surface Duo was on sale for $410. Now I'm kind of kicking myself in the butt for not getting one. Uh, you know, it was, I, I went through that exact same problem. I, I hit this, I hit Woot when I saw it and saw that the, that the price was there and that little voice that says, well, we have a 400, we have $410. Right. We're, we're going to make another $410 very, right. very quickly. And I realized that as excited as I was and still am about this concept about an Android tablet or Android computer or any other kind of computer that is too uh, two really good color screens separate but uh, con uh, connected to each other via hinge that could be one big screen could be you've got one app that spans both screens by having your left screen being like a sort of a list view and details of your emails on the one other one reading a book that way uh, using it like a like a yoga book where you've just got to fold it up and you're mm -hmm. using a keyboard as the flat part and all this i think it's a really great form factor and i think someone's really going to nail it and when microsoft introduced this idea a couple of years ago i thought oh my god that's going to be great and i was disappointed when it was fourteen hundred dollars but i thought well i certainly not going to get on board with the first version but maybe the second version or the third version if they if they really make something of it but yeah it quickly <laughs> Went from fourteen hundred dollars. It's been reduced in price so many times, not just like from Woot.com, but four hundred ten dollars. That's less expensive than a Google Pixel Four A, and it True. just shows how just what a disappointment this has been. Windows. Uh, I wanted to, to highlight this because if you're at all interested in this device, a lot. Of, I think a lot of people. It's like a folding phone where. It's not it's not suitable for you, and you're certainly not willing to buy it at that price, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, but Windows Central's Zach Bowden posted a really great piece just today that talks about his experiences with the duo for the past uh, eight or nine months and why you still probably wouldn't want one even at $410. And he lays the blame almost exclusively at, damn it, this software is just so buggy after mm. even after these many updates these many bug it's fixes these many releases <laughs> yeah i mean like you can't if you can't get through like an hour's work without some sort of a showstopper bringing it down imagine you that you paid 1400 bucks for this and you've got this thing that is it's almost the level of this is what microsoft sent me as a developer three months before it was released so i could write software on this you would expect it on that kind of a level, but you certainly don't expect it here. And I'm, I'm still in uh, one of the reasons why I liked this article is that Zach made it very, very clear that he was uh, even more excited about the concept as I am. So this is someone who is pre-programmed to really want to like this. And if, if, even if someone who has complete buy-in on the concept still is waving people off. See, that's, that's why, that's why when I was looking at this $410, I'm like, my price on a Surface Duo version one is under $300, including tax and shipping. For okay. under $300, I would definitely go for it, but not for even $350. Um, and the only good news is that uh, Microsoft has, uh, for reasons known only to God and Microsoft, they've also they've already announced the Surface Duo 2 uh, for release this fall. G Microsoft is not really good. Wait, at, is that uh, no, running Android? Uh, yeah, they uh, apparently it's it's not the see. This is this is why I was kind of worried about uh, about uh, Microsoft oh, releasing yeah. this. They're very very they at the same time they announced the Android for Android uh, Surface Duo. They announced, oh, we're gonna have a Windows right. one, that's sort of like the Surface Duo Max or whatever. And then like shortly after that, they said, yeah, we decided not to do that. And so that's why well, I think it's because they canceled Windows 10X, which was right. supposed to be the one on that. But Windows 11 is going to be all like touchy, touchy, touchy. So and we work and we work great on dual screens and weird configurations and stuff like that. So it makes me wonder what the Duo 2 is going to be like or if if maybe they uh, the <laughs> usually when you see a failure as bad as this Android again F? with all these. <laughs> With all, with all these bug problems, you think that, okay, it's because they don't care and they're going to cancel it anyway. They're just going to sell off uh, regular stock and then stop supporting in two years. 
if I'm going to be optimistic, maybe it means that they have already taken most of the people who are working on Duo and put them on Duo 2 to make sure that that one comes right out of the gate as something that lives up to expectations. Hopefully, because I, I, I still won't have $1,400 to spend on a device like this. I'm still like nervously saying to myself, okay, well, we bought the $1,400 iPad Pro 12.9 inch, and that wasn't a stupid, that wasn't a stupid purchase, was no, it? No, but that that's wasn't because you've pur- done that kind of purchase before with Apple, and you knew that you, you Right, knew you exactly. Got I'm, and I'm, I'm one of the people for whom there is a, an iPad Pro shaped hole in my productivity that the iPad Pro fills very nicely. But yes, it would, you are that. I, you, you can't you can't get me to gamble four hundred hundred dollars on something that might be kind no, of I fun. Agree. I agree. I mean, this is and, and even at two hundred fifty dollars, the destiny of this device, if it if I find it on clearance somewhere on overstock or whatever, it's probably going to be the thing that five years from now I pull it out of a drawer and see that the battery's bulging and decide that okay, we got to make. Thank God I'm, I'm checking my for bulging batteries every two weeks because I feel like for that reason I need to stop collecting things with batteries <laughs> in them and just go just figurines. Figurines can't bulge. <laughs> precious moments. Yeah, not precious moments. Come on, Andy. I'm talking about like anime and stuff. Oh, Come okay. on. Precious. Does it, does it, does an animated does, does an anime figure ever like have his like her hands outstretched and saying I love you this much? No, that's true. But I do have a Sailor Moon figurine I've been meaning to set up for like months now, and oh, she true. has posable arms. You could make a world's greatest mom sign. Again, precious moments. You have no no. You have every choice of greatest world's greatest mom. Mona has to do that. I'm gonna, wait, I'm gonna wait till she is old enough to do that. Okay, good point. Uh, it'll mean more. All right, it, it'll um, mean more not coming directly from you. Exactly. <laughs> all right, I think that about wraps us up for this week, uh, the week of bummers. But hopefully next week we'll have some sunnier skies to report on. We will of course be doing this episode right after our power hour. Power two hours. Just warning you now, Andy. It's kind of a long show. Uh, all about Android. Twit.tv for more details. Yeah. We record Tuesday night. Tuesday one, one is of, one, of the, one of the things that's going to get us like really, really annoyed by the people at Twit is where I think we should literally stop in mid sentence. Like we will <laughs> see. Can't do but that the thing, if, if there's one thing that Google <laughs> really needs to fix in 2020, and then we start like Material 316. Two is to make sure that they get. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. We're working on a bit. Well, we'll right? work. We're, we're, we're working on a bit. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and of course, stick with us. Go to relay.fm slash material if you want any more information on us. You can also tweet at us at material podcast. We do read that Twitter feed, we or do. you can tweet at us individually. I'm at oh, that flow. Andy is at anotco. And let's see what else. Relay.fm slash membership is where you can go find out how to become a member of the Relay FM and become a sustainer of our show because that will unlock you some very special material episodes. So something to keep in mind because we are going to put a special episode out this month. So if you want access to that, get some of those pennies from out underneath the couch cushion. Put it towards a subscription at Relay FM. <laughs> it benefits you. It benefits us. It's happy times all around. Don't, um, don't, gi- don't give till it hurts. Just give till it feels good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Andy, uh, are you doing radio this week, my sir? Indeed. I'm on uh, Boston's Boston NPR uh, WGBH this uh, Friday, as usual. A little bit earlier in the day, I'm on at 11.30 a.m. You can stream that live or later at WGBHnews.org. Thank you, Andy. Uh, I am on gizmodo.com if you would like to read the things that I am writing. Uh, so that's where you can find me. We also just want to say thanks to Jim for editing our podcast. <laughs> Thank thanks, you, Jim. Jim. Um, all right. I'm really tired. So I think we're going to go <laughs> this evening. This evening recording is done and we want everybody to have a safe seven days. And don't forget all about Android next week and material double flow, double Andy. Get ready. <laughs> that is the ad copy. Double flow, <laughs> double Andy. <laughs> <laughs>